This is essential. 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 This is essential audio. Hey, welcome to the Money Pot. I'm Rachel Morrissey, and I am here with Estelita Haas, who is the market driver uh, uh, specialist for eBanks. We are here at the Payment Summit in Sao Paulo, uh, hosted by eBanks, and we are doing a joint podcast series talking to all of the people here about the amazing things that are happening in rising markets. And they are very definitely calling them rising markets. So we are going to keep into that theme. Today, right now, we have a guest with uh, our guest is Keshni Moodley. And she is the chief commercial officer with Ozo. And so I said that right. right? Ozo? Oh, Ozo. I knew I would get something wrong. The easy (laughs) one I got wrong. (laughs) All right. And we are here to talk about a little bit about what she was presenting on, which was the the twin pillars of digital payments in South Africa. Uh, and Ozo is obviously is a company in South Africa yes. uh, and making remarkable inroads in e-commerce payments. And so we're going to just start with that. So the first question I'm going to just ask you, uh, because you have a history of working with um, much more established companies. Um, big, big, big companies with you, as you said on stage, long range (laughs) plans, like, you know, 20 year plans, not like single year plans. So now you're at Ozo and you were saying that that was a a very different for you. So what attracted you to Ozo? What was the thing that was like, I'm going to take this leap and, and go in a very different direction. Yeah. Thanks, Rachel. Um, so I think, um, I was uh, courted by an ex-colleague who was already with the company at the time and was telling me about this amazing uh, fintech, doing amazing stuff, um, you know, changing the lives of people, changing the lives uh, and the payment industry um, at large. And I thought, why would I leave um, an established corporate that's 100 years old um, with over 400,000 people (laughs) and move to a... A little fintech. Yeah, why right? Why leave that stability? Absolutely. Jeez. Um, but I think it was just the, the passion, the enthusiasm, um, and, you know, just then reading up a lot about the company and finding what it is they're doing and starting to see them a lot more, you know, uh, prevalent in the market. And I thought it was a leap of faith, to be, to be blunt. It was, you know, uh, let's just call that. It was a leap of faith. And I thought... There has to be something about this completely out of my comfort zone. And maybe I was looking to do something different at that point in time. So I did take that leap of faith. Um, and yeah, left, you know, something that was very established, but got there. And um, four years later, I did not think I was going to survive year one. <laughs> um, and, and I will share a funny story, which I've shared with a few people. Um, arriving there on my first day and I, having come from corporate, which was very, you know, corporate. there's a dress code and... Uh, rule book that goes with it, etc. And arriving there, I arrived in my blazer, high heels, the works, and um, the guys are wearing shorts and t-shirts. So that was already the first shock to the system and like, what is going on here? <laughs> um, and thereafter, go to pick up my laptop and uh, the support team is playing PlayStation. <laughs> I had just left my kid at home earlier that morning uh, screaming to get off the PlayStation and go to school. 
only to arrive at what is now my full-time job. <laughs> and the guys are playing PlayStation. Um, but it's been the most exhilarating four years of my life. Um, I've, I've really worked for some amazing companies and I've been blessed, you know, to have been in those positions with the opportunities and the development that came with it. But I can honestly tell you in this time at Ozo, and I say this often, there is not a single day so far that I haven't learned something new. Not one. Isn't that the best? It, and that's the power of payments and that's the innovation and the challenges going on in that industry. And I think to be part of it, it is frustrating, exhausting, <laughs> um, rewarding, fulfilling. Um, and I think you just permanently on adrenaline mode. Well, that's inspiring. That is perfect. <laughs> um, so let's just talk about this. I mean, you, you did come from a big corporate. Yeah. You might have been uniquely uh, positioned to actually execute on some things that they may not have understood okay. at Orzo. Yeah. Um, so it sounds mm -hmm. like, so what do you think as you're communicating with clients, right? Uh, what do you think are some of the main challenges of innovating in the banking environment, especially in South Africa? I'm yeah. really, really curious about yeah. that market yeah. specifically. Yeah. So, South Africa is fortunate in that we do have a um, mature banking environment and sector. It means that many people have access to financial products, not necessarily credit or debit cards, though. So there is still a large um, degree of socioeconomic disparity that exists in, in our country. Um, so solving for that is one of the biggest challenges. Um, it's also meaning you need to reach people where they are, uh, with the challenges of infrastructure, access, uh, poverty, you know, uh, that they are dealing with. You know, if we think about what you trying to, what we're trying to solve for is, uh, digitizing payments and the financial inclusion and digital inclusion, mm -hmm. you know, um, and you've got some people dealing with, can I afford to buy food for this evening? Um, so it's a matter of trying to, take certain degree of emotion out of it and look at the challenges we're solving for as opportunities to try and help that larger socioeconomic problems of poverty, inequality, and how do we, using the tools, the products that we've built and have access to, expand that so that we can include um, a broader spectrum of people into it so that they can start to enjoy and participate in this digital economy, and that's liberating, and that's giving them freedom as well, you know, and that's empowering. So I think every, you know, if you look at different people, they bring different things to the table. There's people that will be able to assist in multiple of different ways. Um, this is what we do well. You know, we've got a strong team, large development house that we are backed by, all in-house, um, and in the products that we build and develop, that's what we are aiming to to serve. Um, it, you know, the passion of the digital inclusion is a mission we've had from from the start, and as we've evolved and grown as a company, um, that mission is also growing to now include more things as part of the inclusivity. 
Um, you mentioned during your presentation here today uh, the power of uh, bank transfers in South Africa mm -hmm. and um, their, their reach and their importance uh, in the payments landscape in South Africa. I would love to hear about how OZO is taking this very um, established as well uh, uh, instrument of paying uh, and turning it into digital and even mobile-driven yeah. uh, uh, feature. So... Um Our penetration in South Africa at the moment from a card perspective, not only credit, but general card, is about 43%. So you can see quite a large percentage that do not have access to, to card, but with 85% having access to a financial product, it means that they have bank accounts. Um, so the pay-by-bank or account-to-account um, bank transfer that you talk about um, is something that we've been developing and working and building and enhancing over been in business for nine years now, and that product has just evolved and grown, and we've optimized it to a large degree. Um, it's grown in popularity because of the trust associated with it, the ease of use, the simplicity, the fact that we still build the security elements into it. So it still is able to uh, cater for the two-factor authentication that needs to take place, as well as the in-app authentication. So there is the trust and security, um, there's the convenience, there's ease of use, and I think that's what's allowed the product to become so popular. And then recently, we've um, embarked on the journey of open banking, which is, you know, part of our uh, central bank directive on Vision 2025. Um, and we really, you know, at the forefront of revolutionizing um, payments in, in this collaboration now with traditional traditional banking environments mm. and um and with bank endorsed APIs. So with the with these pay by bank, um there's very few there's very few options for that kind of thing in the US. Okay. Um you know, I mean we have debit accounts and things like that. It's a, it's like ACH payments. It's it's, a li it's very different than what your uh, you guys have been able to do here. Um, but what I'm finding interesting is that the user experience you've nailed on to two things: ease uh, and trust. Mm. Right. So, and those are two big things that I think are, are pretty universal. So as you're looking at those as like the first principles of, you know, everything has to, the customer has to be able to e easy to use it and, and trust. Um, uh, there was this designer that I met years yeah. ago that designed payments for the initial Starbucks app. Yeah. And he said that his entire goal when he was doing it was to make the customer in line using it the hero so that everybody looked at that guy and was like, I want to be that guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. I want to be that yeah. person in yeah. line. So uh, this is the kind of experience that you seem to be um, achieving here. And so the, the reason I'm even bringing this up is I was like looking at this and thinking, so what are the little problems that you're solving? Yeah. Because the big problems, those are the big problems. <laughs> so what are the little problems that you've encountered along the way yeah. that uh, you're solving as well? Like, it, it's never as simple as it seems, right? Yeah. So so what are you solving to make that thing just that, that much easier to use? Right. What's, it, some, what's the little problems you're encountering? Yeah. I think first and foremost, trust. Yeah. You know, and I think we heard it between yesterday and today. With all the markets we've heard about in LATAM, Africa, Asia, uh, where they are predominantly cash economies, you see the, the main driving force be behind that continuing is 
the lack of trust um, that people have for established institutions. I mean, we heard from, you know, Constance from Mexico mm -hmm. yesterday where people don't trust the banks, you know. Yeah. Um, so I think solving for, first and foremost, you know, create that safe environment where people are trusting this. Um, money, you know, very sensitive topic. Um, so if you're able to create the trust, um, I mean, remember back in the time when internet banking started, um, some of us may recall the <laughs> nervousness associated with it, yeah. where you would do a 50 rand transaction um, and wait to see that that arrived before doing anything else, you know, <laughs> type thing. Um, so, so I think trust is a big element. Um, and if we think about the whole, you know, um, our tagline behind it is, is trusted, um, fast, Mm -hmm. and uh, easy. Mm -hmm. So you want to create that level of convenience. You want to cre create that uh, accessibility and affordability um, for users so that they keep coming back. And we've got a very strong um, uh, attention or retention rate and attraction or stickiness with the product where we have users, a single user, on average, could process easily up to 21 transactions per user per month. And that says a lot about the stickiness, the trust, the comfort, the convenience of the product. Um, and I think ultimately it was really, you know, to what I had said earlier, um, from a from a core-based principles perspective, it was about the in inclusivity. Hmm. Go ahead. I, oh, I'm curious about the, the, the role that um, cell phones play in yeah. this trust issue. Because uh, if you think about it, it's a personal device. Um, of course, there are lots of, of challenges in using it and then uh, securing a, a safe transaction. Yeah. But how do you see it today in South Africa? Are they blessings or hazards for, yeah. for um, having this kind of connection with the consumer and, and building this trust? Yeah. The um, advantages definitely outweigh the, the disadvantages. I mean... You know, it, it's a blessing. It's an absolute blessing. I think it's empowering. It has a sense of uh, freedom. Um, and um, the fact that we've got such a strong smartphone pen penetration in South Africa is also highly valuable um, in order to innovate and continue to build on, you know, um, our agenda of innovation around digitization and financial inclusion. Um, so... If we think about the products that we've built, it does cater for the authentication that needs to happen. So none of the products would bypass um, the authentication that needs to happen when you, you know, are um, conducting a transaction. Yeah. Um, and it's from the user that's actually authenticating. So I think there is that uh, balancing that we would need to do um, between having like a true tokenized, which we see in like a card environment, like an Uber experience where, you know, there's no asking you after the fact, after you've loaded your card. It's not every time you want to ride. It's asking you to now enter your PIN or your CBB number, et cetera. Um, but right now our pay by bank still has that, uh, 2FA and the in-app authentication. So it gives that level of comfort. So I think generally with Internet banking with cell phone um, usage, there is always that risk. You know, people have their SIM cards stolen. There's swim swapping that takes place. There's in the banking world, there's account um, account takeovers. Mm -hmm. You know, so we see this everywhere. 
Um, and, you know, we heard it today as well. Even the MasterCard team was talking about it's not it's not unique to a certain product or a certain device or a certain method. Um, it is a, I think, global challenge that we're seeing around fraud um, that as the different stakeholders in the payment landscape, we would need to come together as different parties and find creative, sustainable ways to solve for it. I don't think it's anyone on our, on our own would be able to achieve that um, in a sustainable fashion, um, but it means companies like us, fintechs, together with traditional banks, together with regulators, um, coming together and, and solving for it. Um, but you, it doesn't take away from the fact that from a cell phone penetration usage in these payment methods that we're talking about, absolutely advantageous. That's so interesting because, you know, uh, you would you would initially think of them as, uh, you know, people were nervous. Yeah. They were so nervous about them. But the fact that they are personal devices and that mm. they and they started increasing the security for the device itself, yes. it gave people such a surety that it, you know, what was theirs was theirs. Yeah. So I think, I think there, there's a real advantage to that. You, you mentioned earlier, um, that Ozo, uh, Ozo is part of this, uh, larger vision that South Africa has for Open Finance 2025. Yes. Uh, and I just want to, I mean, I don't want to keep you any longer really, but I want to just ask you, like, what are the ways that you guys are seeing Open Finance increase the financial inclusion in South Africa? Yeah. Why is this such a part of the vision Yeah. Uh, specific to you guys? Yeah. I think it's big because for the longest of time, there's been this um, – Separation, awkward though, awkward separation between fintech and banks, uh, traditional <laughs> banks. And I think that's yeah. not unique to South Africa. I think you see it the world mm -hmm. over. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's unfortunate because there's so much benefit to be realized for the consumer if those two worlds were to come together. And I think with what we're seeing now, it actually just opens up the competitive landscape. It increases collaboration between um, uh, two completely different entities bringing two different things to the consumer world. So you've got your traditional banks on the one side, which to a certain degree, you know, trusted, uh, reliable, it's what most consumers know. And then you've got fintech, which is modern, innovating, agile, working very quickly, um, is able to meet the consumer uh, very easily at the channels or levels that they, they need to meet them. And bringing those two together is phenomenal for the consumer. Yeah. You know, and I think they, while it may seem competitive initially, um, but it, I think it's, if you're able to find the right level of partnership with it, it's going to only benefit in, in the long run. So this was, uh, the Open Banking Initiative was a key directive from our central bank. And um, it's something we've been championing and at the forefront of um, already from early this year. So we launched our first open banking partnership with Capitec Pay um, in South Africa um, as of March this year and have migrated our merchants over onto this platform now. Um, and why this is so significant for us is Capitec Pay um, is one of the largest processes of transactions from a volume perspective in South Africa. And uh, to now have bank-endorsed APIs directly with the bank. Um, you may have seen the video I shared earlier 
on what that Capitec Pay journey looks like uh, for the consumer, it's next level. It's amazing. It's quick. It's, you know, um, the security around it, the trust around it, um, and just the ease of use. I mean, all talks to the vision and, and guiding principles that, that we hold dear. Um, and by the end of this year, we're expecting two additional bank APIs um, to Congratulations. have Congratulations. So it's, it's work in progress for us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mammoth task. You know, it takes the entire organization to, to go through this. But such exciting times for our merchants um, and our customers um, in terms of the benefit that it's able to, to bring to them. And the, this is my very last, just, just last, very last question. But I, this this kind of um, merry war between fintechs and banks, where they are um, absolutely necessarily have to partner, but they yeah. uh, the, there's a culture clash yes. typically, right? Yes. Uh, particularly in some of the, the cultures yeah. where uh, the banks are very established, and there's not a lot of them. And then there's the fintechs are coming in almost intentionally to to undercut some of the bank's uh, modes of thinking and make them rethink their consumer base, make them rethink their service model, make them rethink their entire understanding of yeah. what a customer is and yeah. what customers want or deserve. Yeah. Um, there's this, That's part of the whole revolution, right? Well, you came from that older culture uh, and now you're definitely in – this innovative, fast-moving, um, you know, uh, exciting, uh, all about very consumer-centric culture. So when you are looking at your own journey in between them, what what do you think they need to understand about each other to make these partnerships or make these, these necessary um, yeah. part of this ecosystem work better together? I think evolution and growth, right? <laughs> um, the world is changing. Times are changing. I mean, if we look at the pace at which consumers are changing and becoming so much more demanding and sophisticated, um, and then if we look at, and I'm, I'm generalizing, so I don't sure. think it applies to all banks. Well, my question was general yeah. too. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think we really have reached the point where um, the partnership, the friendship we're building with banks you know, it's 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 taken a long road, but we're getting there, and I think we're grateful for that. And um, we believe that there's so much of value to expanding and growing that partnership. Um, but if you think about, um, I mean, just simply, if you take the um, definition of money, you know, yeah. in 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 from financial policy perspective, and how that's changed over time where we now look at some digital assets and stable coin and is that regarded as uh, as an asset you know we don't and i know think yet. but <laughs> but all the all the policy the regulatory framework you know is mm-hmm. written for a certain period in time you know so so when i talk about evolution that is that needs to be changing and i think the benefit that we able to bring to the table is the agility in being able to guide, inform, contribute, which is why we do so much of work with the banks, with the regulators in terms of providing input on, you know, um, like recently there was a, um, a request for input on screen scraping um, and um, when the open banking initiative started, you know, we provided like 
response from a consultancy paper perspective. Um, and even with some of the APIs with certain banks, we've been contributing because of our experience and lessons learned and closeness with the user market. Um, and that collaboration is powerful because mm -hmm. there's no reason to reinvent the wheel and do this on your own. Um, imagine if you're able to come together and put emotion aside, um, imagine what you can achieve, you know? So I think, I think from a, from an evolution, from a growth, um, moving much further, much faster, um, that's a benefit we're going to get out of it. Excellent. Anything left from you, Estelia? No, it's perfect. Thank <laughs> you. Thank, uh, thank you so much, Kesh, for joining us today. We so enjoyed having you. I know, I know I dragged you into it, but I'm so <laughs> glad we did. Um, that's it for this episode of The Money Pot. If you would like to write to us, we, you can reach us at podcast at money2020.com. We'd love to hear from you. You can listen to us wherever you listen to your podcast. So listen and subscribe, and we thank you for listening.